I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What's up, everybody? Sean here from the Cuse Militia Podcast. This is another episode of Thai Thoughts, Season 1, Episode 2. So... Uh, before we get into all of Ty's thoughts, or Ty's thoughts, uh, I got to first tell you about Bet Online. Uh, look, the wait's finally over. Football's back. It'll start Thursday for the NFL and officially rolling into Syracuse football this Saturday at noon. Uh, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Uh, now, you might not be able to get to a game this year, but you can still get in and all the action online with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on, on everything imaginable this season from game spread and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get on, on their season open bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today to take care, uh, take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses over there. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you, Betonline. Now, look, some of you may have problem. Maybe you got hairy back. Maybe you need to, you know, clean up the chest a little bit, or down below the belt. Whatever the case may be. Look, we got you covered. Manscaped. The Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that is designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. The ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on the fellas down below. You know what I'm saying. Look, I don't got to be too descriptive here. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof. It comes with LED light so you can manscape in the shower or in the dark or in the dark in the shower. Whatever floats your boat, folks. That's it. They've got everything. They also have got... The um, just released Shears 2.0. That's one better than the 1.0. This is a nail kit uh, that is perfect for perfect companion for the lawnmower 3.0 for all your grooming needs. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes uh, tweezers, round tip scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Why would you? Some of you gentlemen out there might be asking, why do you need a medium grit nail file? Well, I have no idea, but. This the, the Manscaped kit isn't always just for men. Look, your old lady can use this. Oh, can I say old lady? I don't know if I can say old lady. But, uh, look, your girl can use this um, in, in whatever. Or if you're just if you're a girl listening, you're like, you know what? This trimmer sounds amazing. Well, let me tell you. It is amazing, and you can use it. And you can do that. In fact, if you go to manscaped.com right now, you'll get 20% off in free shipping if you use the promo code armchair. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code armchair. Thank you, Manscaped. All right, here's Tyler.
All right, what's up? It is Tyler Morona, and this is uh, another edition of the Morona Power Hour or Tie Thoughts. And we're still workshopping all of this too. So if you have names for this hour, I would love to hear from you. Quickly, let's get to um, thanking Sean and Joe again for letting me run this on the Q's Militia feed. Um, I kind of have this vision for them that uh, Q's Militia, they've done such a good job at building a brand um, that maybe down the road there's more people like me so that there's the Sean and Joe, there's personalities there. There's Tyler that's, you know, that knows football, played football for Q's, wants to contribute. There's uh, I'm watching the Nuggets game right now. There's a uh, Jeremy Grant comes on and talks about basketball for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. You know, you kind of get where I'm going. Like there's a uh, Q's militia is the, the canopy and then there's many branches underneath that tree that make up the tree and that make it stronger and ultimately it's because of all the hard work and how great sean and joe are so um again big shout out to them thankful for them for making this happen and please if you want to have this show become more readily available to you just subscribe on your favorite platform for podcasts. If you're listening to this and you're finding it through Twitter, just go ahead and subscribe. If you are finding this on your podcast feed, then follow Q- at Q's Militia and at Tyler Morona to be updated with the feed to to go that way. And then any and all things that have been talked about on this show will definitely come up on my Twitter account as well. Um, I have a lot that will be uh, asked of the listener to contribute today as well. So um, I wanted to do a quick um, Tales from the Tyler, which is uh, me just talking about my experience with um, real quick about the trademark podcast and kind of what happened to that because I had a couple people make mention to me that, you know, it's, it's great that you're doing a show on another feed and just to be able to get back out there again. And even my mom and I talked about this and my fiance and I talked a little bit about this as well, that, um, I think that I'm putting out a better product because I'm just, I'm, ha- I'm happier in life. And to me, um, honestly, I thought that when I started the trademark podcast that I was going to hit a home run and I was going to skyrocket to the top of my field, just like I did in football, that I got to the D1 power five level and that I was just going to be the talk of the town and people were going to be lining up to acquire me. And, um, it, I, I just didn't feel the sense of accomplishment from the show because I don't think that even though that there was steady growth, that there was enough growth and that I wasn't exactly the superstar that I was right away. And um, to me, it really affected me so much so that I was working on... So before I took the first hiatus from the Trademark Podcast, and I just kind of wanted to see, okay, you know, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And my strength is that I work really hard and I'm super devoted. And I even thought that when I was a little kid that I had so much determination and I was six foot four that I could possibly play any professional sport that I wanted, you know, just depending on which one I liked the most at that time. You know, I, I thought I was in like, you know, Dion Sanders and Bo Jackson territory. Um, 
you know, like the the cream of the crop. But really, what I I just had the focus to be able to get there and kind of see the end destination and hopefully make it. So I tried to take that same tool out of my my toolbox and apply that to podcasting. And what it ended up happening was I was spending more time working on that during the day, trying to book guests and and you know, oh, if such and such guest has to, you know, record at three and I'm still on work, you know, how am I going to be able to do this? And it was taking away from my life. And it it wasn't making me happy at the end of the day. And I was super frustrated and I I was considering myself a failure because I didn't have the ability to turn in something that was getting thousands upon thousands upon thousands or, you know, millions of listeners. And, and, and what that comes down to for me is that I was comparing myself. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. JJ has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine with the the top you know the first class the the millionaires in this game with you know Tyler Morona and how unfair that was to me and being in this situation really wrangles me in to kind of just say hey I'm getting my thoughts out there under somebody else's show because um, they're so cool and I love them so much that they're willing to help me out with this. It's like, this is, this is perfect for me. And I even like wrote down notes. Like that's how fired up I am to be able to do this. And I'm actually doing a better job, I think, at collecting ideas to be able to talk about on the show. So um, for me, uh, and originally with the Trademark Podcast, um, I guess we'll open up with Thai Thoughts today. And the you know opening segment will be this: is that failure is not always failure. I think is kind of like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. I consider myself to have failed when I was doing my podcast the first and second time um, after you know those hiatuses. Trademark Syracuse Football Digital Radio Show 1.0, and then just the trademark podcast Syracuse Football. I wanted to be. 
like the college football guy in general. I didn't want to be the Syracuse football guy because I'd already been that. And even that didn't go well. I never got to play in a game because I was so hurt and it, it affected me so much and it was so depressing. However, doing the show and talking about it and getting some of those feelings out there actually helped me to move on and reestablish my love for football. And I realize now that beyond faith and family, football is the number one thing that I like because it includes those two things for me and my faith and family. They come alive when I'm around football. And I know that so many people feel so connected to the game because they feel that family, they feel that love and that connection. So I'm very grateful for the podcast for that reason. And so if you're listening to this and you think, well, then how is the podcast a failure? If you found that and you found that you wanted to coach and ultimately it landed me a college football coaching job, granted it was a, uh, you know, unpaid position and that ultimately led to me now getting a paying high school position and it's what I want. So you're right. If you're thinking, how is the show a failure? Well, it was a failure to me because it was my eyes and my my ears and my heart and my brain. Ultimately, gosh, ultimately, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm gonna I'm gonna clean this up. My brain and my heart were telling me conflicting things. Is that my heart was telling me I was doing better and that I was getting through and working through that depression of not being able to play football anymore. But my brain was telling me it's like okay, well this this is the amount of people that are listening to it and comparing myself to people that have multiple millions of listeners every day is like me comparing myself being like, well, what if I was a walk on and started as a true freshman and then became all American? Like it's just unreal. Like that's false. It's just expecting a false fact to become true. And so there was a little insanity in there. So before I lose track of what I'm saying, I want to encourage people this week. um, Are you the listener to think about failure is not, objectivity. It's subjectivity in that for me, now that I'm in this coaching position, I feel that subjectivity coming back up. Because in football, I can see as a coach how defined right and wrong is. And so much lives in between those two things. And so for for me, I need to understand that it all depends on the the lens you're looking through to determine what's right and wrong in a certain situation. If we give up a touchdown because the safety wasn't in the right spot, that's just a bad play. But I don't think the kid's a failure because the failure comes from when we just accept that nothing good happened on that play. Like if the defensive lineman beats the offensive tackle and hits the quarterback, but just didn't get there in time, I would say that the defensive lineman was successful. But the safety blew his job, so the defense in and of itself is not a failure. If you get where I'm going here, and if you get it, then maybe I can end the segment early. All right. So if the safety is out of place, but the defensive lineman is is in the right spot, then there's not a failure as a defense. There's there's just a bad positioning by a certain player. We just had bad positioning, but the play wasn't a failure. There's always there's always something to be learned. Now. I don't know what everybody's trying to learn in this season right now, um, but I do know what I'm learning, and that's tough times don't last, but tough people do. Uh, my fiance is out in Houston, and she came to visit me this weekend, and I hope that everybody spent a great Labor Day. And if you're listening to this on the ride in to work or the ride home, I hope that everybody was uh, responsible this weekend. 
and um, had a great time. And hopefully work is coming back and that the labor is not too great um, mentally for everybody because football's back. And I'm learning that maybe Navy lost one too many players from last year. But I really do like the BYU quarterback as well. So, um, so that's that. I did. I did want to make a quick note on recruiting as well, and, and what's going on with the Syracuse football recruiting. But I really want to hammer home the point that if we're all striving to avoid failure, then I think that we're looking at everything a little bit incorrectly. So that was a thought that I had this week because having my fiance come visit me from Houston and knowing that she can't be out here because we still have a, a lease in, in Houston. And originally the plan was for her to hopefully go back into the office to request a, I'm going to demand a trade, but request a transfer and hopefully say goodbye to her coworkers in person. I knew that there was going to be some time where I was out here from the 4th of July on and she would probably be in Houston until November. And I can look at it and say, well, I don't have, you know, thousands of dollars, thousands upon thousands of dollars in my pocket to break a lease and buy out our agreement. I can think that that's a failure. But in reality, I would have failed if I never came out here and accepted the job in the first place to be a high school football coach, which is my dream. So I can see that now today through a different lens that there was success there. That's a tie thought. Okay. So Morona Power Hour is now on with recruiting. We get Enrique Cruz, four-star offensive tackle. And you know what, guys? This vaulted our recruitment about 10 spots in the country by adding a four-star. Now, I want you guys to go and notice something, though. We got downgraded on Deuce Chestnut from 24-7 Sports. Went from a four-star to a three-star because somebody noticed that he committed to Q's and somebody over at 24-7 Sports was saying, Syracuse got what? They got a four-star? No, 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 this is this is unbelievable. Uh, the guy's now a three-star. I have a lot of reservation that the same thing will happen with Enrique Cruz, that they will downgrade him as well to a three-star. Because to me, it seems a little bit weird that a couple four-stars are considering us but I don't want you guys to go all the way and think that we don't deserve them. So Enrique Cruz could be, could be a project or he could be ready to go. Here's the two scenarios for this guy. This guy's either a project because his body never comes into form or he's in the position that was asked of uh, Kendall Moore originally. You're going to come in as a tight end. You're going to grow, and then you're going to become an offensive tackle. Then you're going to be all-world. Enrique Cruz is actually further along from that transition from being a tight end to a tackle. Listed at 6'6", 260, might see him on the light side, which to me says maybe he's about 251, 253 on actual body weight. But, you know, program weight is the weight that we're, we're at. So in today's day and age, 6'6", 290, not a crazy body type to have as an offensive tackle, especially as you look through the depth chart and you see that there's a couple of uh, interesting notes on there, like Aaron Service is done after this year. But we have Bergeron on the other side. So having Bergeron on the other side means to me that we got a mainstay over there. We've got a lot of offensive linemen coming in in this class, and we're doing our best to restock the cupboards. And hopefully what we see here is that as Enrique progresses through this year and gets ready to matriculate into Syracuse, that 
since he's already 6'6 to 60 and he's played his high school career at left tackle, that we don't have to bring him in and do that kind of conversion project, that his high school already saw him as that project, and we're getting a guy that's further into that development period. And for me, turning 19 years old was really the linchpin on me adding 30 pounds. I just needed to grow into a man. And if he can become a man at 19, just like Bergeron became a man, um, now we got two guys that are going to start many games together. And we hope that the guys like uh, Carlos Vettorello, a guy like Darius Tisdale, can give us two years so that when we have guys that are multiple years in, they can support a guy that's new. I'm not saying Enrique's got to come in and start as a freshman. I'm just saying that that's the, the ability for him. to. That's the case for him to have the ability to come in and actually be an impact guy right away. Whereas with Deuce, I think that he's a good football player. He's a very good high school football player, and I think that he translates well. But I don't quite see that mega upside. And that's what people get really hamstrung by when looking at recruiting. And I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to say it. If you're not a pro evaluator and that's not your job, then there's a lot of things that could be missed along the way. And for... Deuce Chestnut, maybe he was the number one corner in New Jersey, but that also doesn't mean that he has to be a four star as well. You know, like those things don't have to be mutually exclusive because he's going to have to do a lot to play at that, you know, upper crust ACC level and be a multi, and this is Deuce I'm talking about here, to be a multi year contributor and then also potentially an all ACC guy. But you hope that when you get a four star prospect or higher, that that's their ceiling. I just don't want anybody to think that these two are going to be like the two that we remember that Coach Babers hangs his hat on and says, you know, these were the guys that really did it. Because I, I just don't think that's the case. I think that they're just going to be very good contributors and hopefully they're multi-year starters. And that's all four and five star guys come down to is how many years. If you remove a star, that's how many years that the evaluators think that they're going to play. So if it's a five star guy, remove a star they think that they'll play all four years um starting if they're a four i think they're gonna be three year and so on and so forth three three star guy two year starter boom there we go okay so but then you get the guys that come out and you know there's an andre cisco and he plays like a five star i also think that malcolm folk is gonna play like a four star in our scheme so again these things aren't mutually exclusive joe and i really like to talk that when i come on and go on there but the big thing is, is like, I don't know how these recruiting calculators work. Because if we get one commitment and we go up 10 spots in the team rankings in the country, I feel like that's kind of like a broken system. I don't know about you guys, and I don't think any of this makes sense. Now, I know these guys, and all they are is journalists. I don't want to shit on them. And, sorry, sorry, Sean. Family show. But they there's not a whole lot of principle. And they, and they go with, hey, I've been doing this a long time. But it's like, I don't... Be careful how much credence you put into all these stars, too. And I know that everybody's thinking that because, well, Clemson gets a lot of good recruits and they're also really good. Well, yeah, I I can make that comparison, too. But for Syracuse, the the progress of the program is never going to be in what's going on with the X's and O's. Because I already think that we've had great X's and O's uh, coaches. I mean, Coach Schaefer is not a bad X's and O's coach. He's just, <laughs> he, he wasn't the greatest player's coach, nor was he the best recruiter. 
he recruited guys like me and um you know that's <laughs> that's how it goes so but coach coach Faber's time is going to be remembered for his recruitment and the coaches that he brings in and the 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 level of recruiters that they are and what this led me to was I was wondering I'm, I I have a sliding scale, but I wanted to talk best coach in America. Sorry, not best coach in America, best job in America. What's the best job in America today? So there's a sliding scale on this. It's what is, and after best best uh, job in America, we'll go back and talk about the uh, depth chart being released for Syracuse. So um, I, I, real quick, I just wanted to go through this and, and look at the schools and kind of talk about what the best job in America is right now. And I have two that I kind of have my eye on because it's, it's to me, it's where you live, how much you make, and what the expectations are on you. Now, Coach Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State, would say that a junior college head coach in California is actually the best job in America because you can coach like you can coach the team. And you get to be like the, uh, you know, pottery class guy, and you know what? You can be the uh, golf PE coach, and um, that could be your day job. And then you get to coach in the afternoon, which hey, that's great. But they're making like 150k. They're not making a um, hundred million dollar contract or um, even a 20 million dollar contract, which I think that they're handing out at TCU. They're private schools, so they can get away with a little, you know, under the table stuff, a little wink, wink stuff. But I know that Cal, the Cal Golden Bears, they're 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 paying. So I, I look through the line here and I go, okay, I've got my eye on TCU and I got my eye on Cal, the Cal Golden Bears. Why? Because okay, if Cal represents the North, the Pac-12 North, and that, let's say they go play Utah in the conference final. If they get waxed in the conference final, I don't think the the boosters from Cal are going to say, you just lost your shot at the college football playoff. I think they're going, that was a miracle season. Thank you. And if you win seven games or if you win eight games, that'll buy you another year. That'll keep buying you you know, even more years. You get to live in Northern California. You get to make a lot of money. Recruiting from like one from like an A to an F, F being the hardest, it's probably about a C. So that's not too bad. And then you think on the flip side with TCU, you can get anybody in there. They routinely recruit well. They always go in the six to nine win range. One year they had a Cinderella story and they won the Sugar Bowl or maybe it was the Fiesta Bowl and, and, they, and they did great. But that's not the norm for them. Their coaches get rewarded for having a year like that and making the boosters happy. So, and, and, and they're paying, and they're living in Fort Worth, making a ton of money. So, because then if you look like, okay, um, well, Tyler, what about Texas? There's a lot of pressure at Texas. You, if you win six games at Texas, you're Charlie Strong. You're out of there. If you're at USC and you're doing the same thing, Coach Clay Helton, they were like trying to fire him while he was coaching a game. I mean, Lane Kiffin style. Like they left Lane Kiffin on the tarmac at, at the airport. Wouldn't even let the him board the charter with the team. They left him wherever they were. So it's like 
I'm not trying to make a little bit more money and live in LA and also get left on the tarmac. You feel me? You see where I'm going here? I'm not trying to to lose to Oklahoma every year at Texas and then all of a sudden be told that I'm a bad guy because I can't get, you know, I can't win the shootout. Not me. Because, like, at TCU, all you really got to do is you got to beat Kansas State, you got to beat Kansas, you got to beat Baylor, and Iowa State. That's pretty much it. You can throw in a West Virginia in there, too. But you can have a stinker against Texas Tech. You can have a stinker against uh, uh, Iowa State, maybe, if you win all the other games. And then all you got to do is schedule cupcakes in the offseason. It's like, I mean, the, the paychecks write themselves. Now, obviously, for me, you want to have a higher actuality or a higher self-worth, a higher nirvana or bliss level. But we all don't get to do that. So I'm thinking Cal Golden Bears and TCU Horn Frogs. I mean, these are like home runs, but I want to hear from you. So go through the list. Think about, so to me, I'm a reply to me on Twitter or write me a tweet at Tyler Marona. Tell me what you think the best job in America is. Because to me, I, I go starting off Big Ten, out of here. SEC, out of here. Conference USA, not Power Five. Sunbelt, not Power Five. Um, FBS, independence, out of here. Don't want any of those. Don't want any of the academies. Um, salute to all of our soldiers. But, you know, thank you for all that you do. Can't coach at an academy. It's just. I mean that that'll just that'll drain you because recruiting's got to be so hard. And then I look at like okay, what about the Miami Hurricanes? Like that would be that would be my dream job. But and I'm a Miami guy and we'll get more into that later as well during the NBA 5 minutes. But like they they fired coaches. They fired plenty of coaches. They fired the coach that offered me a scholarship like two days later because they were thinking about offering me a scholarship. You know what I mean? So there's, like, there's too much pressure. I'll never go to a cold place like Notre Dame. And even then, Notre Dame has expectations and they get like embarrassed. And I, you know what I mean? San Diego State, that's probably the correct answer. But I think for an extra like four million a year, because I think San Diego State's only paying their head man probably less than a million dollars, which will definitely get it done. You know, nine hundred k in San Diego will get it done. But if you if you want to go for the prize and get like that, you know, that sweet deal, and you think you can pull off seven and five every year and make it to the Cheez It Bowl, I think you got to roll with the Cal Golden Bears. I I, I really I'm really kind of getting sold on this one. And I, you could sell me on TCU as well that it's the best job in America. Vanderbilt, you think Nashville high academics? I can sell this. No, you can't. Nobody's ever been able to. Nick Saban rolls in there every year and they win by sixty. That's not a good job. That's being a doormat. That's what that is. I mean. Illinois fighting Illini, they have a former Super Bowl appearing coach, Lovey Smith, in there, and he's going six and six. You're trying to tell me that's a good school? Like, you you guys see what I'm saying? I'm landing on TCU and the Cal Golden Bears, and at that, it's you can really talk me into it either way. So I want to hear. I think UVA might not be a bad job either, but. I just don't know like if I actually want that job because I just hate their guts so much. So um, that was best job in America. Also, just tweet me what the best job in America is flat out. If, if you think that the best job in America is being a, um, the guy that comes up with the name for degree men's deodorant, let me know. I, I'm willing to go there. Let me know. So I, 
I promised the Syracuse depth chart, so we're going to go through it a little bit here. Quarterback, Tommy DeVito, sounds great. That's the uh, Q's Presidente right there. Brick by brick, Tommy DeVito. By the way, speaking of bricks, the traps on that kid now, he looks fantastic. They list him at 6'2", iffy, but we'll, we'll go with it. They're actually um, true to form on, on the height and weight. So if he's 6'2", 221, that's what you like to see. That's what you wake up in the morning for. You, you, you want to see your quarterback be, be ready to go and be you know, built from steel. It was a problem last year. Hopefully the offensive line um, carries him up. Running back. So here's here's where the big scuttlebutt comes in. Looks like Jarvion and Abdul Adams have opted out. Abdul Adams, cry me a river. Dude wasn't good anyway. Transfer from Oklahoma. If you transfer from Oklahoma and you're not playing and you come to Syracuse and you don't really play, that means you're not good. That means uh, his recruiting rating, shout out, callback to earlier, wasn't real. Four-star guy, hogwash. Don't care about it. So Jawad Jordan, the speedster, he's going to get his shot. Markenzie Pierre is his backup, the redshirt junior. We'll see. I think running back's becoming a, a less and less and less focal point of what the name on the back of the jersey is and really what you know the, the number and you know the, what's on the inside of his uh, chest, you know, whatever his heart is, that's what matters. It's not the name on the back. It's all about how does the coach feature the heart of a running back in an offense? Because we got a kid, Arbor high school where I'm coaching. He's all heart. I mean, he's will over skill. I think we'll see, but uh, he certainly looks the part for will over skill in this case. And I, and I think that's what running back is turning into at this level. It's becoming more of a Swiss army knife in, how their heart is being measured. Taj Harris, Nikeem Johnson. I always forget that Nikeem Johnson's 5'8". That always scares me. It's a, it's a little target. I like Taj because he came out and said that he was just, you know, he, he was frustrated last year and that he's going to clean it up. I trust him. And then uh, Anthony Queeley is the last guy rounding out the wide receivers in our three wide set for base. Aaron Hackett, I really like him. Aaron, uh, Luke, almost said Aaron Benson because... Um, who wouldn't want to be named after number 89 took a handoff for a touchdown last year, did Aaron Hackett. So uh, I really like where our tight end room is going and it's, it's getting even better and better and better as the tight end starts to slip away from college football. I like that Syracuse is trying to invent a new version of that, trying to get a thicker possession receiver to be a tight end. Then Luke Benson can run, man. Just go back and watch that long run for for a catch last year when he ran it, and you'll know. That's receiver speed right there. Aaron Service, Chris Elmore at left guard. So uh, Chris Elmore, I, I just really want to kind of point out where the coaching staff was wrong. I'm just going to say his name one more time, Chris Elmore. Dude's an offensive lineman. If, if you can't get behind that, and I don't get why college coaches do like this whole like – well, we missed on a guy, but we still got to force this peg, you know, the square peg into a round hole. It's like, or not, just play the guy where he's going to be the best and most effective. Like, keep your job, win games, play Chris Elmore offensive line. He's not a tight end. He's not a fullback. He's not a running back. He's and if and if and if he can't play on offensive line or defensive line, then you just don't play him. So if he is able to beat out Pat Davis, who's a senior left guard or now the swing guard, because Tisdale starting at right guard then maybe we finally found something that was always there. 
Okay. DN Josh Black, McKinley Williams on the inside, and then Kingsley Jonathan rounding out the group for the three-man front. Uh, not much to say there. All three of these guys are returning familiar names, and I like the upside with uh, the potential Cody Roscoe, uh, Nickel, when we go to a four-man front, Cody Ross can come in and be that traditional defensive end. Josh Black kicks in and becomes a three technique. And then we have multiple pass rushers all at the same time out there. I think that's a very scary look. And then that's uh, four seniors on the field at the same time. You love your chances when you can line up four seniors against their four um, to create matchups. Uh, Michael Jones, Jeff Canton-Arku, We'll see at middle linebacker. Stephon Thompson, we'll see at strong side linebacker. Garrett Williams at corner. Eric Coley at the bandit. Andre Sisko at the rover. Trill Williams at free. And Afatu Melifonwu on the other corner. So... Andre Sisko at Rover tells me that this is really our fourth linebacker and that our bandit is going to be, um, so our, our strong safety is going to be Eric Coley and our free safety is Trill Williams. I think that this is a no brainer. I think that this all works out really well. Um, and I also like the fact that we have some depth here. I think this is the first time I felt good about a college secondary in a really long time. I think that even though there's a couple new names, that the old, you know, the, the old heads in the room, as they would say, are really just going to um, cover up a lot of the blemishes, and that this secondary is going to be, although new, I think that they're going to be ironed out, and the leadership at the top is really going to carry them through. So, um, I have no concerns really. Um, for the defense that are brand new, because this is we're we're playing the best eleven, and we're gonna run this same defense, and I and I think and I think that it's it's gonna work really well um, because I really like the looks that we're getting for for our team, and um, I, I with the way that the league is starting to pass so much now, it, it's gonna play right into our hands. Hopefully. Um, Everybody else feels the same way, too. All right, one more time. Real quick, let's hear from the title sponsor for the Cuse Motion Podcast, Ty Thoughts and Armchair Media. That is Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is back. As we mentioned, the NFL starts on Thursday, and we are full force for Orange football this Saturday at noon against UNC. So uh, you might not be able to go to a game this year, but you can still get in on all of the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on win division and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you, BetOnline. Now, here is Tyler with the NBA 5. So, lastly, let's see where we're at time-wise. Oh, perfect. This is perfect. This is perfect. Okay, so the NBA 5 minutes. Just going to get into this real quickly. Um, uh, Laker fan growing up, being from LA, Lakers trade my favorite player of all time, Shaq to the Heat. I became a Lakers resenter and a Heat 
um, representer. I wouldn't even say a Heat fan because I went to the Heat versus the Lakers at Lakers on like Christmas Day or maybe it was some sort of holiday that I got the tickets for from my mom and I went as a as a Heat representer. And then when the Lakers won and I saw the crowd go crazy in my hometown, I said, you know what, I'm actually a Lakers fan, but the Heat are definitely going to be my um, like secondary team or my fallback team. So I, I wanted to pose this because I'm very curious about what everybody thinks. With what are what are like the parameters and the boundaries of having a fallback team? Now, is it like does it have to be out of division, or does it have to be out of conference? Like with me, the Chargers are my second my 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 second favorite team or my fallback team behind the Cowboys, and I like that because the Chargers are not only not in the NFC, they're in the AFC, but they're in the AFC West. So when I watch them, I actually get to view an entirely different brand of football on the different side of the country. And also when they play those interdivision games, it's, it's you know, AFC all the way around. Whereas with the Cowboys, they're in the NFC and in the NFC East. So rarely is there crossover between the Chargers and the Cowboys. So you, you, see, you see what I'm going at? So with me... I want to be quick to to pull out the my the picture of me in the Miami Heat jersey standing in South Beach and say, "Oh, I knew it all along if if the Heat take this the entire thing." But really where that's coming from is a point within me that says, "I'm going to be so hurt if the Lakers don't win the championship this season that I need a hedge emotionally to fall back on." Because if the Clippers make it to the finals and eliminate the Lakers, or if the Lakers make it to the finals and get eliminated by the Celtics in the worst case scenario possible, then like, how do I cope with that? It has to be like insulating myself with multiple threads of like security without me getting hurt. So I want to know kind of a fair or foul. What are the rules? on having a secondary team or a fallback team because I'm almost in on the heat. You know, I'm a Miami guy. I've gone to South Beach a few times. I was even close to going there for school and being a hurricane. So, like, how quickly can I jump on this bandwagon if the Lakers lose? There's no situation in which they lose against Houston. They lost game one. They did that against Portland as well. And I really still do think in my heart of hearts that the true finals is going to be a Lakers versus Clippers. Whoever wins that wins the whole thing because the Bucks are toast. That was the only thing I was concerned about. Now that's not even a problem. So if the Heat make it and they play against the Lakers, it's a can't-lose situation for me. But let's say the Lakers get eliminated and then they play the Rockets, like the Heat versus the Rockets. How quickly can I go and say, Oh yeah, I knew this all along. I was a Heat fan. Here's a picture of me at like 17 years old standing in Miami with a Heat jersey on, like an a-hole. Like how how out of bounds is that? I think it's pretty out of bounds. So I <laughs> I need to know from everybody who's your second team and why and you know justify it to me. So um more on Syracuse football talk later, more on everything about me later. Love you guys. Talk to you later.